Hoops. Welcome back to another episode of the Hoop Genius Podcast presented by NBA 2K23. Serious news. Serious faces on now. Devastating news out of Oklahoma. Chet Holmgren, the number two pick in a draft, has been ruled out for the entire season with some type of foot injury. I'm not too sure on the exact injury, but it was during the Pro-Am in Seattle where LeBron was on a fast break and he tried to stop LeBron James on the fast break. And now he's been ruled out for the season. Rather unfortunately, he joins a long list of top picks that did miss their first season in Ooh. the league. The likes okay. of Ben Simmons, who, you know, missed his rookie year. Joel Embiid didn't really play. Julius Randle didn't play much in his first season. Blake Griffin missed his first season. So it's not uncommon for these things to happen and you still go on to have a successful career. GM Sam Presti said, if you asked me before the lottery that you could pick between one or you could pick eight, all the other options you can have Chet Holmgren, but you have to wait a year to get him, I would not let you even finish the sentence. So it's a win for the Oklahoma City Thunder in the sense that, of course, it's not a win. It's horrible that he's got injured. But because they are in no rush to get him back, they just improved their lottery odds even better for next year's draft because Chet won't be playing. So now they've got a more chance of getting Wemba Nyama or Scoot Henderson. I spoke to a team executive yesterday who was wouldn't stop telling me how great he thinks Scoot Henderson is going to be which is something Ooh. that we can discuss in the future. Scoot Henderson. Do you know who he is? I have no idea. Um, he is on the G League Ignite. He's... Oh, oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, he's an absolute monster. He's an absolute... But we're not going to talk about him today. We're going to talk about Chaham Grin and the OKC Thunder. BJ, what's your you know initial reaction to this news? Well, it's very unfortunate, you know, that this young man got injured in a sanction. Let's make sure we, you know, give the facts in a sanctioned NBA approved by the league can occur. Yeah. Injuries can occur at any time, any moment. But it's very unfortunate because you, especially as a young player, you need time and you need reps in game-like situations. And I get it. You play in the NBA Summer League. That's one thing. But you're playing in, you know, pickup games and things, and they're fun for the fans, and I I get it. But it's very unfortunate. Um, Let's hope for a speedy recovery. And I don't care who you are, where you are. I I just – I really, really dislike seeing anyone get hurt. And especially young players, especially a young man who hasn't played one game yet in, in the NBA. So let's hope for the best, but very unfortunate situation. And then it, it begs the question, you know, you know, how much should you be playing and where should you be playing, especially in the summertime? So, you know, there's different trains of thought about it, but it's very unfortunate because I know there are a lot of people who wanted to see him play, myself included. He's a very talented player, but it's a very unfortunate situation. And hopefully he can put this behind him. But anytime you, you see bigs with, with foot problems. This was about to be my next question. Yeah, you've seen... you, 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 it's very concerned because that is your base. That is your foundation. And it's a very unfortunate situation for him. When we look at Oklahoma City Thunder. When we look at big men uh, like Yao Ming, Bill Walton spring to mind as seven footers who 
struggled with foot injuries that really impacted their career. They had great primes, but in the longevity side of thing, having those foot injuries really didn't help them. But just want to go back to your point about talking about how much players should be playing in the offseason. And of course, Twitter timeline, as soon as this happened, people were saying, oh, NBA players are never going to play in programs again, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the fact of the matter is players can get injured anywhere. He could have got injured on the practice court in Oklahoma doing a scrimmage with his team. He could have got injured walking up the stairs in his house. We've got players right now, you and I, we just watched Giannis versus Jokic in Eurobasket um, in, in the international game. Either one of those guys could have got injured. So it's always a risk that you take anytime you go out there. And he could have got injured on the first game of the season. Remember Gordon Hayward's first game in Boston, he, he broke his leg so or his ankle. So injuries happen at any time. I don't know if this necessarily means that this is the last time we're going to see big name NBA players playing in programs because look at how many players played and absolutely nothing happened to them. You know, and it's not like it was some sort of crazy injury uh, as in, in the way that he did it. He was still kind of jogging up the court a little bit after it happened. It didn't look like it was going to be that serious at the time that it happened. So I don't know. What do you think? Do you think we're going to see teams telling their guys not to play in programs? Because you can't get away from playing unless we're going to wrap these guys in bubble wrap until the next season begins. You just want them to never shoot around and never scrimmage against their teammates, never go work out. What's the what's the deal here? Well, I think that's just a, a personal preference of what you need to do to get ready for the season. So, you know, Mo, a lot of these guys... You know, for me personally, when I was playing, I didn't play in the summer. Not because I didn't want to play, is because no, I, I I didn't play. I I would only play with other professional players. Oh yeah. In in, I didn't play in referees. I didn't play with in front of crowds. You know, I would only play where I would use. The I would use the scrimmage-like atmosphere with only with other NBA players. Like I would, if it wasn't a, a, a if it, if it wasn't a gym full of NBA players, I wouldn't play. Except for the runs in Detroit that you spoke about uh, a couple of months ago. Yeah, it, it, play in play in Detroit. But when I would play anywhere else, I would only yeah. play with NBA players. And the reason being is because it was just like. You know, like you see in these pickup games, well, in these summer leagues, guys are talking trash to like NBA players. Like you have you put the crowd in there and then it adds another dimension. And you may think you're in shape, but you're not in game shape. So I made that choice for myself because in the end, I felt the best thing for me was availability. So, you know, I just wanted to be available to play to eliminate things like that. And when I did play, I would only play for conditioning purposes. I wasn't trying to score 40. I wasn't trying to score 25. I wasn't trying. I was getting up and down. I wanted to feel the contact, a little contact. And that was it. And just to kind of, you know, because you can run and do wind sprints and all that, but Nothing replaces somebody hit you with a crossover. You know, I would look at the crossover, but I wasn't trying to defend it. Or somebody hit you with a style. You know, it was just, I just wanted, it was like. Go through the motions. and you Yeah, just get up it's to like you're doing the first, it was like the first step of a dance. You know what you got to do, but you're just now trying to, you know, get a little timing. You know, somebody hits you with a doo-doo. 
and you know you're like oh okay i gotta okay i gotta oh okay i i felt that one or oh man i gotta get in better conditioning or whatever it is so to me they were always you know conditioning exercises more than anything but but like you said anytime anybody can get hurt um and um it's just it's just very unfortunate i'm really i was really looking forward to seeing him because he's a unique talent but there were major questions about his durability you know whenever you see a player that big you know you question and you we've certainly seen our you know with that body type you know, it just comes to mind like Sean Bradley or Porzingis and now Chet. And, you know, mm-hmm. you just you see these players like that and you go, can they stay durable? Because it's not a question of whether they have the talent. It's just, you know, are they available for, you know, X amount of games during the course of a season or their career? It's interesting. You know, there's a tweet here from Dr. Brian Sutterer. I think that's how you say his name. He says a surgical Liz Frank injury, which is apparently what Chet's got, can very easily be career altering in an athlete. Even a perfect surgery and rehab can have lingering effects. And in no way should we expect Chet to pop up in six months like nothing happened. So he's going to be out for the full year, confirmed. And hopefully it all goes according to plan and he gets back to his best. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's always difficult to see. Do you think that we're going to see less and less NBA players playing in these programs moving forwards. I, I don't think so. I, I, again, I think each player is different. You know, Mo, every, everyone, you know, everyone has a different routine and some guys, for instance, like a Jamal Crawford, Jamal Crawford plays every day in the summer. I remember when he, we were in Chicago, he played every day in the season too. <laughs> he played yeah, yeah, Jamal just that, that, that's the way he, there are some guys who don't play at all. Okay. Some guys I knew wouldn't pick up a ball until training camp. Some guys just like to shoot. Some guys just like to play maybe once a week. Some guys don't play to after labor day. So it's just, it's just a, it's just a matter of, you know, you kind of, you, 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 what you try to do Mo is you try to learn your body and learn how your body responds to the following. You're going to have 82 game schedule. You used to have to play 10 games in the preseason. So that's 92 games. And then you got the playoffs. That's another, you know, hopefully, you know, you, you get three or four rounds or you get like 20 games, right? You want to get 16, 16 wins. So, oh, I mean, like, you know, there's no way to prepare for that marathon of a season and you do what you got to do. You know, after, I remember the first time after winning, a, you know, our first championship, because, you know, I would like to, you know, at least do some ball handling, do some things. Mo, after the after I went to my first playoffs, I didn't want to see another basketball just because I was preparing for the next season and the because idea that we were going to go go long in the playoffs. The turnaround time is a lot shorter then. So the, the workouts are different is, when you're on a team that misses the playoffs compared absolutely. to when you're a team that goes deep So into guys the who did make the playoffs, they their season ends in April. So they got May, June, July, yep. August, And this September. is... Um, this is what Al Horford spoke about when he said why he was so good this season is because he started his off season, season. in April last year. April. Yeah, <laughs> so absolutely. He, he's had so, so when much I see fun. guys playing, you know, like okay, I, I I understand why 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 like let's for instance like LeBron. I understand why he's playing. He didn't make the playoffs last year, mm-hmm. so he's trying to gear up so that you know he can 
keep his timing. And, and it's also good to see, especially in Seattle, for all the because we didn't really get to talk about Jamal Prime. It's so good because those kids there growing up, they don't have an NBA team. So this is their only chance that they're going to get to see LeBron James play live in person. Which I think is pretty cool of him to go and yeah, organize I, it, that and show. However, up that. That, that's the that's the again that's the entertainment purpose yeah. of it. You know, I mean, if you know, great. If they want to see those guys play, then let's put it in an arena where you can get twenty thousand people in there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If it's about letting people play, letting seeing people play, I think that the big thing is is you know what. Players doing what they have to do and however they interact with their with the audience and their fans and so forth and so on. So I don't I don't see why guys won't play. Um, and I don't think this is going to have any effect on the decisions moving forward. Well, speaking of LeBron James, his missions get back to the playoffs got a little boost today as the one and only Mr. Patrick Beverly was traded uh. to the Los Angeles Lakers in exchange for Stanley Johnson, who I thought was very good last season, and he provides wing depth for the Lakers, and the generational superstar talent, according to Laker fans, that is Talon Horton Tucker. I'm still yet to see the generational once-in-a-lifetime talent that they talk about all the time. The kid that they refused to trade for Kyle Lowry just over a year ago has now been traded for Patrick Beverly. So an interesting deal. I like this for the Lakers. I think Pat Bev, it, because Pat Bev is a better shooter than anyone on their roster right now. I think that says more about the roster than Patrick Beverly. But Patrick Beverly will hit around 37% from three. If he's having a great year, 40% from three. And he plays defense, which is badly needed for them. Defense at the point of attack and on the perimeter. I think it's a good addition. I would have liked to have kept Stanley Johnson, but obviously you've got to match the salaries. But I think if, they can pull off the next trade, which everyone's talking about. Russell Westbrook and all their future draft picks in exchange for Buddy Heald and Miles Turner from Indiana, because we know Indiana are in the process of rebuilding, aka tanking, trying to acquire draft picks. Then they have a starting lineup of Patrick Beverly, Buddy Heald, both of whom good shooters, LeBron James, obviously LeBron James, Anthony Davis, if healthy, and Miles Turner, a great shot blocker and rim protector. I like that five. Now the depth will be an issue, but it's definitely an improvement on last year's team. I think we can agree on that. Uh, that's to be determined. I'm not on I'm paper. Not buying, I'm on not paper. buying on paper. I'm not buying. I'm not buying that. Okay. The reason I'm not buying is but uh, the reason I'm not buying is because of the following. You know, when, when we talk about these building these teams, right? And it requires effort and energy. That's the one thing that the players are required to, to provide to the team. You know, the coaches, the executives, the executives want to provide leadership. The, 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 the coaches want to provide organizational skills. You know, you want to give the players, you know, the owner wants to give the player the resources necessary, so forth and so on. Now, when I look at this team, I go to the following. Now, we're assuming that I don't know what to expect. And I, I feel like a broken record. I don't want to keep saying this, but I'm going to say it for the last time. 
I don't know what to expect from LeBron James at his age. Should I expect him to play 70 plus games? No. Okay. No. Okay. LeBron uh, James, this is the quote that I read the other day. LeBron James is confident that if they could just get to the playoffs, he can take it from there. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's what I read. That's not what I'm saying. That's what I read. I, I, okay. I don't know. Again, I, I, I don't know how that works. I'm just going to tell you what I know works. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be a good team in the NBA, you have to have a level of consistency in which to play. You gotta, there's gotta be 2019 a Raptors would be my counterpoint to that, given that Kawhi Leonard rested basically 50% of the regular season, walked into the team for the playoffs and carried them. I'm going to, to tell you what works if we go back from 1946, there's no absolute, there's always an exception to yeah. the rule. There's always an exception, there isn't anything that's 100%. That's that's called that's the laws of nature. If you if you shoot a shot, Mo, you, you might make it. That's why you're shooting it. You're not saying, now, the Raptors did something. But how many other Raptors organizations have there been? Um, you know, it's it's in terms of a superstar just stepping in during the playoffs, not often. There have been a lot of teams like the Milwaukee Bucks. They added PJ Tucker, core piece of that team, just in February, and started playing from the trade deadline there's, onwards there's, after all. So a lot of players that so, will add what. But when talking about a core teams. piece, that's going to be the centerpiece. Yeah, Toronto, Kawhi Leonard is the only one that springs to mind right now. Yes. Okay. Now, so my first thing is, what 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 am I expecting from LeBron James? Okay. Second, what am I expecting based on what I've seen from Anthony Davis? What am I expecting? Like, am I expecting Anthony Davis to do what? 75, 80 games this year? 82? What am I expecting? I'm hoping, well, I'm not asking talent. I'm not saying he can't. I'm just saying, what's what's a fair expectation here? Okay. Then I'm going to add Buddy Hill. I don't Has Buddy Hill ever been to the playoffs? No, he played for Sacramento. Of course he hasn't. Okay. No, wait, he then, played for New Orleans. For, did they make the playoffs? Then like you have Miles, okay, Miles Turner and, okay, and, I, I, what am I expecting here? Like, I like the names. I like these players, but I don't like the team. Like, okay, so when I look at a team, and I, I don't want to, like, rain on anybody's parade, right? Because I know Laker Nation, uh, you know, living out here in L.A., I can see everybody's, oh, we get this guy, you know, we're getting a championship ring. Okay, well, here's a question. Everybody in the league, understands this especially during the regular season you gotta you gotta be able to play downhill you know what that means mo yeah okay who on that roster plays downhill just lebron uh russell westbrook if they okay keep no, russell no, no, westbrook. no 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 young lebron did this version of lebron <laughs> is not playing it's not playing downhill he's trying Younger he's trying version, I, I didn't say he's trying mo Whatever he gives me at this age, I'm taking it. <laughs> he has a pass, okay? At 37, 30, what, he'd be 38 this year, right? Yeah. He December. has a pass. Mm-hmm. Is it fair for me to ask a 38-year-old player to be playing downhill? Well, I mean, he's not creator? a normal 38-year-old, though, is he? 
I mean, he Mo, Mo, I'm looking at the games. He putting up the stats, but uh, this this is a young man's game. Mm-hmm. When you watch Jalen Green and Evan Mobley and Scotty Barnes, LeBron James isn't moving like that anymore. Like, um, he's putting up his numbers, well, but he's not moving like those guys. I mean, someone watching listening to this podcast is going to reply with a clip of Jalen Green on the fast break against LeBron and LeBron absolutely destroying him just a few months ago. But you know, I, 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 I understand the premise. Everybody in the NBA, everybody in the NBA is going to get dunked on. Everybody's going to get destroyed. Out of an 82 game schedule, I'm willing to bet you that Jalen Green probably going to catch more bodies this year than a 37, 38 year old guy. Just because of the way they play. Okay. Just because of the, just what they're doing. Now, all I'm saying is, when I look at the roster, I say, okay, who's playing downhill? Russ, if they keep him. Okay, I I, I get Russ, but Russ is thirty. What? Five? He's not. He's not. This isn't a young. This is no. what I'm saying. This this is Russ is thirty three. This is something. We're, we're looking at names. I'm not. I don't want to rain on their parade. I'm not here to. No what parade. They didn't make the playoffs. But but here's the thing. Like, I like these names. I just don't think the way the team is currently constructed that it complements how their best players play. Their two best players right now is in this order. Anthony Davis has to be the best player on the roster if they're going to be a good team. He has to, but he hasn't been. Okay. Why do I say that? Is because Anthony Davis should have the energy, so that should allow him to provide the effort and energy necessary at his age to carry them through the regular season. I agree. If LeBron gets to the playoffs when the game really slows down, mm-hmm. you have that rest in between every game. You don't mm-hmm. have travel, as you saw in the bubble. LeBron James, his ability to recover mm-hmm. will be that much better, and I think advantage LeBron mm-hmm. however you got to get through the four day four games in five days you got to get through you know a two and a half three week road trip you mm-hmm. have to get through back to backs and all of that that to me Mo, is the problem you okay. can't just dismiss the regular season but how do you like the fit of, of Patrick because we'll dive into the legs when we because we've got to continue I like going Patrick through all 30 teams but I how like do you like Patrick the fit of the Beverly. trade I like I like Patrick Beverly. However, what am I expecting Patrick? Be- so who's gonna who's gonna be their primary ball handler? It can't be LeBron James at this age. It will be because they want well, it will be okay. Russell that's Westbrook, fine. But- All right, that's fine. Second, who's gonna be the secondary ball handler? Third, okay. Who's gonna be guarding all of these little guys as these Steph Curry's and Kyrie's. Well, that'll be Patrick Beverly now. Patrick Beverly. That's why they're trading. He's not going to be playing 48 minutes a night. No, this is a, this is a league now where you're running screen roll. This I don't, I don't like the fit of this team. Okay. I don't like the fit. I don't like the spacing. I like Pat Bev, but I like Pat Bev in his role where he can compliment the other guys and not, well, if I'm not asking him to be a primary ball handler, I like Pat Bev. 
Mm-hmm. I, I'm not asking Pat Bev to be my best shooter on my team. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm not asking Pat Bev to be the vocal leader, the emotional leader. The, I, know, I know. I just want Pat Bev to come out and, and provide energy to the game and where I need and where I see fit. Yeah. Now, I think that's a good fit. However, I think right now, the, the Lakers have to shore up two things. One, they need a primary ball handler. A primary ball handler, meaning a guy who is, his job is to distribute and manage the game. Now, whether that's going to be Russell, or whomever, LeBron, I, somebody's going to have to commit to that. If Russell was there, him or LeBron are going to have to commit to that. That means one of them or both of them aren't going to be scoring 20 points a night. And I'm not talking about just getting stats. I'm talking about LeBron will be scoring because he's got to break Cream's record. So it's not going to be LeBron who stops scoring 20 well, okay, points a night. Well, LeBron's going to be trying to get okay, 30 that, a night. Well, if that is the case, so be it. I don't care what it is. So that means that LeBron, uh, that means that you're going to ask Russell Westbrook now to be Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. Rajon Rondo. I don't see it, Mo. I just don't see it. Yeah. I, I don't see it. Well, I mean, we can't expect much from the Lakers because they chose Talon Horn Tucker over Alex Caruso. And a year later, they trade Talon Horn Tucker as well. When if they had just kept Caruso, they wouldn't have needed to go and get Patrick Beverly. So am I surprised at the, the Lakers making these decisions? No. But this does make me think that a Russell Westbrook trade is far more likely now that they've got Patrick Beverly on the roster, because of course they've got their personal beef. Do you think that beef is going to be squashed, or do you think they're still going to butt heads? Because yeah, their beef is a bit deeper, as Russ still blames him for the injury, the meniscus tear that he suffered. Yeah, from... yeah. I, it, who knows? I, I think these guys will be. I think both guys will be ultra professional. That's what I think. Now, whether what they truly feel, I have no idea. But I think they will be professional, and they'll compete. And I think in the end, I think winning will overcome any whatever that they have, any ill will or feelings that they have, but well, you know, when you win. compete. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just think it's going to be, I think it's just going to be tough for these guys. So I, I, I mean, listen, go ahead. Um, so I just want to say this when Kevin Durant finally decided he was staying, Patrick Beverly tweeted, uh, you held up the summer, you messed with people's money, et cetera, et cetera. It now makes sense why he said that because it was his deal that he was waiting for. The Lakers actually said that they didn't do the trade yesterday or the day before Kobe's birthday or the 24th of August, which is Mamba Day. Um, out of respect for Kobe, they didn't want the news story to be about a trade. And Patrick Beverly actually must have known this deal was in the works from August the 14th when he tweeted about Lakers versus Clippers first game at the Crypto.com Arena. So this trade, I think I even said it on the podcast after the Gobert trade and they sent Beverly to Utah. I said he's probably going to end up with the Lakers because he was on TV talking about it during the playoffs that what he would do if he was on the Lakers. So it was, it was only a matter of time. Um, we do have to talk about the Utah side of this. And Danny Ainge, once again, getting a player that the Utah Jazz liked very much before the draft, when he was drafted by the Lakers, um, and seeing if he now has the time and a chance to develop. I know, BJ, you don't want to talk about player development, but it was a nice deal, I think, just moving that salary, it's an expiring contract, uh, getting a younger player, and then Stanley Johnson as well, who could be moved on um, from the Utah Jazz. And I think Talon Horton Tucker now has the chance to prove is he really the guy that the Lakers players and fans were claiming he was 
because we saw a lot of fanfare about him. I never personally saw it in the games, but they say the potential is there. Now he's got a chance to prove it on this Utah Jazz team because this makes a Donovan Mitchell trade even more likely. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see where this goes. How do you like this deal from the Utah perspective? Well, the thing that looks obvious to me is Bodanovich is probably going to be cleared out next and Jordan Clarkson. Yeah. So clearly now that's what it looks like to me. You know, when I, when I look at these trades and it's just a matter of really setting your franchise up to have an opportunity to, you know, get into the mix, right? What's the mix? You want to be in the draft. You want to be in trade talk. You want to be in free agency and you want to have a young, talented players so that you can improve from within. So I think right now what Utah is doing is they are putting themselves in position to be in every transaction that's available out here. Mm -hmm. And to me, you know, it's like it's like if you want to win, you got to be in the game. Well, they're in the game now. Yep. And 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 Danny has done this before. Clearly, he sold his ownership group of this is how you do it. You can't argue with what the he's results, trying yeah. to do. Why? Because if you're going to have any level of sustainability, there's no secret here. It's not like everyone in the league doesn't know this. It's just a matter of who will stick to the plan, which is you have to draft Will. I have to draft Giannis, Steph Curry. I have to draft these players. You have to draft Jason Tatum. So... Now, you know, you put yourself in the game. So uh, yep. to me, it just, if you're going to have Rudy Gobert and you and Rudy Gobert, you determine that you've gone about as far as you can go with a Rudy Gobert and a Donovan Mitchell, this makes total sense. Now see it through. And, um, you know, I, I, I really, I, I, I like the fact what he's doing. And you take a look at these guys, THT. You take a look at these guys, Stanley De- Take a look at them all. Yeah. And, and then see which ones you might want to retain and which ones you 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 might want to move on. So that, it's no harm, no foul. Yeah, we'll dive into the Utah Jazz more on our episode about them. Uh, if you guys are listening, if you're a previous listener to the podcast, you'll know that we're th- going through a series of breaking down all 30 teams in the NBA, which should resume uh, next week or even tomorrow, um, provided no other trades happen that require us to talk about them. Because the Jazz are still interesting pieces. Mike Conley... Donovan Mitchell, Bogdanovich, as you mentioned, that they could play around with. So we're going to get into that in future episodes. BJ, do you listen when people talk about a winner and a loser of a trade? Because everyone likes to have that initial reaction. Oh, the Lakers won this trade or the Jazz won this trade. I personally hate it because you've not actually seen anyone play basketball. How can you be the winner of the trade? I say that, but if I make a YouTube video, I will clickbait the title saying the Utah Jazz just destroyed the Lakers in a trade to get people to click it. But I personally am not a fan of everyone saying this is this team won the trade, but we've not even seen them play. Well, that's the that's the, the era we live in, right? You, you you know what it is, Mo. Listen, it's hard to be a fan when you peek behind the curtain, and a fan in the sense of getting excited or you know, you win the locker room, you win in the news clippings, or you win on the floor. Okay, and and all that matters is you went on the floor. So clearly the Utah Jazz right now, winning is not a priority. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. They're they're winning the the race to the number one pick. 
That's what they're trying to win. What, what they're doing is they're trying to upgrade their talent. Let's just call it what it is. A tank. Okay. Tank or whatever. <laughs> call it what it is. Okay. I remember when I remember when Danny Ainge acquired this young player who he just took back in a trade. His name was Isaiah Thomas. Mm-hmm. And when he got Dan, when he got Isaiah Thomas. He didn't anticipate Isaiah Thomas being that Isaiah Thomas that he ended up being in Boston. Yes. And then suddenly that propelled Boston into a new direction. And also Jay Crowder as well. I don't think they anticipated Jay Crowder being as good as he was for the Boston Celtics when they made that trade. You just never know. But what you do know is you have to significantly upgrade your talent. And you never know where that talent is going to come from. Right, Mo? That's why you're in the game, right? You might. Yep. Do it in a trade. THT might, might turn in into a superstar like the Lakers fans thought. THT may turn into that. You just never know. So who should win the trade for the Lakers? The For the Lakers' sake and Laker Nation, you would hope that Pat Bev comes there and makes an impact on this team and they get to the playoffs. That's mm-hmm. what you hope for. But if the Lakers don't, and Utah don't. Utah, they won the trade. But we can only tell that after the end of the next season. So when I see people saying now, who, who want to trade? How are you going to trade? They haven't played a game yet. And well, they're both on different timelines. Let's just be honest. They're on different timelines. Well, if the Lakers don't make the playoffs, then I've won the trade because I'll be celebrating again. But I would like to propose a trade, BJ. <laughs> I would like to propose a trade right now. I sure. offer tireless work five days a week to produce a podcast which is free to listen to. In return, I request that everyone listening right now subscribes to the show. That's the trade offer I'm offering you. Five days of amazing basketball content with BJ Armstrong alongside me. And all I want to return, I don't want any first round picks. I don't want any second round picks. I don't want Talon Horton Tucker. I don't want Patrick Beverly. I just want you guys listening to this to hit the subscribe button. And if you're feeling nice, leave us a review and a five-star ring. I want to shout out everyone who left a review. I read them the other day. And people have got such kind things to say about us. I got so much love for you. So thank you to everyone who has left the review. We appreciate you. BJ, I appreciate you as well. Another another week of podcast episodes in the book. I appreciate you. And... um, we got a lot more coming. We're gonna break down some more teams. We're gonna get you know, to know. You know, here's here's one thing. I know we got to go, mm-hmm. but I I really want us to take a good look into the Brooklyn Nets. Oh oh, that's coming. That's coming. As you say about Giannis, it's coming. Oh, yeah. We're gonna get to it. We've got teams coming up. We're gonna break down the Lakers, the Jazz, the Nets, whichever teams we've not yet talked about. So if you don't want to miss any of the episodes, make sure you're subscribed. And until next time, my peoples, get buckets.